Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and I have two guests today, and we're going to discuss virtual events and the new Apple hardware. Episode 68 is next. Before I get to this week's topic, I want to encourage you to send me your comments and feedback. Please email thisweekinproduction at gmail.com or call me on my Google voicemail. I'm not going to answer, but it's it's a voicemail box that you can leave a message. 601-564-TWIP, T-W-I-P, 601-564-8947. Like I said, I'd love to hear from you, comments, suggestions, good, bad, or whatever. You want to yell at me? You want to tell me I suck? Please, I welcome it. Okay, let's get back to this week's topic. Joining me on the TWIP hotline, first time appearance on This Week in Production, Stasi Barra. Tell the audience about you, what you do for a living, where you're based. Well, my name's Stash Barrett. I'm a solopreneur, so I produce videos for corporations, nonprofits, you know, mostly education, training. Uh, like every other video maker, I like to tell stories, and that usually falls more to the nonprofit side. Um, I'm 49, married with kids in college. Why is that important? Because the videos I do usually aren't that exciting. Like I'm not winning awards, but boring pays the bills. And I really love what I do. I love making videos and sharing and, and helping people learn new things. And that's, that's what I do as far as the education and training side goes. And this is actually a second career. My first career was a chiropractor. And in 2010, I switched gears and, uh, haven't looked back. I remember when we met at the Final Cut Summit and you told me that story. I was very impressed with your ability to, you know, do a midlife career change and then to have success with it. That's, you know, an achievement that I don't think a lot of people would be willing to gamble on. Well, you know, necessity is a mother invention. And Tom, tell everyone knows you, but again, <laughs> tell everyone about you and Shoreline Digital. Sure. Well, like Stash says, I love that term, solopreneur. I started out in the world of doing TV commercials at Comcast and did that for a decade and then uh, got part of a, a Black Friday layoff and it was sink or swim and I chose to swim. And uh, like you said, failure is not an option and you find a way to do it. I made a lot of networking contacts and started my own company, Shoreline Media, Shoreline Digital back in the day, because way back then that was a unique differentiator. You know, we were digital at that time. Uh, now it's media and, you know, similar doing some commercials, doing some nonprofit storytelling using Final Cut Pro, and I met up with, with UART and Lulita and uh, the band of uh, bandits from Panasonic and um, have continued to, to spread that network a little bit, and it's been just an incredible you know, growth time, and, and I'm you know, very fortunate. We're going to start the conversation today about an event where we all met, and that's really why I invited both of you on this week's episode. We all met at a Final Cut Pro Creative Summit about three or four years ago. And we've stayed in touch over time. And I think it's 
it was an event that we all have obviously professional interest in, but the the friendships that we formed there have lasted, you know, over time. And I think that's one of the benefits of such an event. And this year in the, you know, COVID crisis that we're in, they've decided to do a virtual version of the event. And I was looking at the website and I was looking at, you know, the, there's not a lot of information about the event, but I was considering whether it's worth my time and money to participate. And I do have some mixed feelings about it. And I thought, well, let me get, let me get the gang together and let's talk about it from people who have paid money and been to the event in person and see, you know, what you guys are feeling about it and what the value is. And honestly, for me, I've attended a lot of virtual events this year and, and, you know, in years past, but this year more than ever. And there's a wide gamut of production value in given events. And I think a lot of people underestimate the importance of producing a good virtual event, because I do feel, at least for myself, that my threshold for poorly produced events is just a waste of my time. So Stas, let me start with you. Have you seen the Final Cut Creative Summit virtual event uh, posting? What do you think about that this year's virtual event? Well, I have seen it. And, you know, I, I think the value of the event in general is meeting people. That's where I met y'all, as you said. And it was a good time and just getting to see people that I get to watch on a video and, and hear them explain what's going on in their lives and how they're, how they're sharing and how they're, uh, you know, learning the virtual part of this virtual event, obviously, um, it's going to be great, I bet, but you know, you would think there's a pretty high standard if it's a final cut pro user that the, the production should be pretty good, right? You know, we should have good production. The other part is. I really just want to honestly watch it after it's over. I, I'm working every day, so I don't necessarily have six days to commit to it. I mean, during the Apple event portion, maybe I'll tune in, but I want to be able to like speed through the events and see you know, what presentation's going on. So I probably won't watch it real time. So for you, it sounds like an important component of any virtual event is the ability to watch it on demand for a period of time after. Yes, I probably didn't say that, but yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the recordings of, I think they said it'd be up for 90 days. I mean, I, I'm going to guess, I bet there'd be some presentations there for some people who made films that you can't see anywhere else. And that'll be great, right? There'll be a lot to learn there. But a lot of these people already do classes online and whatnot. And so you probably catch a lot of their info in other ways. Um, you know, obviously it's COVID, it's 2020. Everything's different this year. Um, I just really enjoyed meeting people, you know, because it's it's kind. Of, I'm a solopreneur. I don't have a big team. I'm I'm a one man band, you know, one mule team, however they want to say it. And you know, connecting with other people, doing something similar to what I'm doing, and hearing what they're doing, that's what for me the the value of it. So, Tom, what are your thoughts on the Final Cut Virtual Summit? I, you know, I'm just getting a look at the the program and it, it seems like even as of now, they're still sort of fleshing out a lot of the programming. And again, it's, you know, second to none. There's, there's so much there. There's so many great people. And I think the one thing that, that 
I was first interested in was just, you know, meeting people, coming to a gathering. It's great to get away. I work a lot of events and it was great to go to an event where I wasn't working and be able to enjoy, you know, collaboration and the meeting of people. And we met Stash and some other great people and, you know, made some great contacts. So, you know, I would look forward to seeing some of these things, um, you know, afterwards. And, and like, like Star said, I'm, I'm working five days a week, six days a week and, um, you know, plugging through things here in the, the days of COVID and, uh, and trying to stay busy. And I know a real big part of the event is having that, that look at Apple, that Apple day. And, and that's a huge, you know, chance to get, get your eyes in. And I would be very interested in their Apple day and seeing what they the people are going to say, what's coming up, you know, the, you know, things are on the horizon every, you know, quarter, for Apple. And so, you know, that would, you know, inspire me to, to tune in. In the past, in the in-person variation of the summit, I've been critical of some of the presenters and the quality of the presentations. Uh, I'm not saying anything out of school. I just felt like, you know, the, the, some of the presentations weren't well put together and we've all been part of presentations, maybe delivering them or sitting through them. I mean, I ran a user group for many years. I took a lot of time and energy to make a presentation that I thought was informative and conservative on time, but also had detail and visuals to go with it. And I think not everyone comes to a presentation with the same level of planning and execution. And it's fine when it's a free presentation or it's a sales thing that you're not paying for. But when you're paying your hard-earned money for presentations, I feel like they all need to be up to, you know, a standard. I've made those opinions known to the producers of the summit. It's future media concepts. And I think they've improved over over the years as as the events occurred. But now in this virtual event, two things I've noticed. One is that they've lowered the price substantially. And I think that's probably a good thing because I think it puts a little less um, pressure on themselves to put out a super high quality product. And, you know, we've all watched the Apple events. I mean, I think the Apple virtual events are the new gold standard for how to produce a virtual event. You know, high production value, compelling content, well-rehearsed, dynamic visuals. So that's kind of the gold standard. And when you're talking to the Apple audience, which we all are, you know, the Final Cut Pro Creative Summit, you know, I think you have to try and, and reach for that that bar. And I don't know if they will. And I don't think at the price point they've priced it, which is $200, I don't know that they're striving for that high, but my expectations will be set accordingly. Whereas if it was the same price, a thousand dollars, let's say, I would have a different expectation level. Honestly, I mean, money's money, but two hundred dollars is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it's it because you can you do have ninety days afterwards to watch it. So, and and I, and I do want to support this thought process because. Maybe next year, 2020 is no longer here, obviously 2021, but the, the, you know, maybe we can be in person again, but what if we can't, I, I still want to continue that. So I want to support that, that concept. So I feel like the $200 is worth it. 
Definitely. And I think there's, it looks like there's enough programming out there too, that's kind of addressing this, you know, uh, unique workflow that we're all having to take part in during the days of COVID. So it'll be interesting to see some of their takes on it, you know, and, and it is a low price point to be able to tune in when you want and, and get a picture of that and, uh, and still feel like you're, you're, uh, you're keeping up with the crew, you know? I'd be interested to find out what their uh, approach is for Apple Day. How are they going to do the Q&A? Is there a Q&A? You know, because in the past, the Q&A was basically kind of like the Supreme Court justice hearings. You ask them a question and they just don't answer it. I think, honestly, for me, um, the whole sell for me attending this event was the the face-to-face with the Apple engineering team and the Final Cut Pro team. That, to me, was the whole sell. Anything else was was gravy, but that alone was the reason I first attended this event. And the first year was great. The second year, the Apple part wasn't as good. And then the third year was really kind of disappointing, but still valuable. Anytime you can get in front of the product team for a software that you run your business on, which I think is fair to say we all run our business on Final Cut and the Apple ecosystem, I think it's valuable. And then I will I will ask it this way. I mean, I've been on plenty of poorly produced events and what would make this event not worthwhile for you? Uh, I would love to have more interaction and hear what you know, what's going on more than just a presentation and they, they walk away. Um, but at the same respect, it's not going to ruin my day. I, I want, you know, I, whatever we get will be good. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy with that. But yes, I would love to ask, be able to ask Apple some questions. Um, you know, I've got a new, one of their new Mac pros. I have a few questions. That'd be really neat if I could interact about that. Right. I think as Mac users and people that have been following it for so long, you know, we all are following the rumors and Apple Insider, Mac rumors, and we know, you know, things that might be happening. And we know when we ask a question, they're not going to answer it. So it's nice, though. It was nice having those eyeballs and some of those, you know, descriptive looks when they look at each other to talk about what's coming. That was a nice way to kind of gauge where things are going. And it felt special having that kind of access. So in terms of our industry, I mean, NAB now has been not only canceled for 20, 21 are pushing it to October. I mean, how do you feel about getting back to physical in-person networking events or, you know, community events? I mean, are you ready for it now? Are you still hesitant? Like if they announced NAB was going to be in April tomorrow, I mean, would you be comfortable signing on for that? I don't think so. I don't. I mean, I know if even if they have the show floor structured nicely, you know it's going to be party central all over Vegas or wherever it may be. So I just don't think that there's any level of con- confidence that, you know, that, that we can behave ourselves as humans. <laughs> yeah, I've actually not been to NAB. So, but all I hear about is you come back with the flu. So I can only imagine in the year of COVID what you'd come back with. I find value in the NAB show for a couple of reasons. One, being able to see a wide spectrum of products in one place, being able to talk to, you know, the leads or the owners or the, you know, production managers of these products, you know, being able to really get some face-to-face time with industry people I find valuable. I'm a little 
concerned that companies will stop seeing the value in these in-person events. I've, I've seen plenty of companies attempt to do virtual events and not do them well. Let's say that you have a NAB in October and Sony and Panasonic don't participate at the show. Is there still interest from you as an end user in seeing the show without big manufacturers there? Yeah, I you know, I don't think so. It's it's you want to see where these big manufacturers are not only what they're displaying but how they're positioning against the competition. And if they're not there, you know, it's really more of a social experience than it is an edu self-educational experience where you can talk to the manufacturers, you can talk to the product leaders, um, you know, and, and to me, that's huge. And when Apple left, that was a big hit. And if there are others, you know, years ago, if others don't choose to go, I, I don't know that I would see that value because you can pretty much get any of the info you want online. Then you've only got the social aspect. Yeah, I mean, Stas, you you missed a period of time at NAB where Apple was showcasing their Final Cut, their systems, and the Apple keynote on Sunday night at NAB was like the hottest ticket in the world, and they would line up to see that you know event, and it would be a big kind of Final Cut Pro thump your chest you know, very uplifting, motivating presentation. And when they stopped presenting at NAB, stopped having a booth, I mean, it sent shockwaves through the industry. And they just said, you know, this is great, but it's costing us millions and millions of dollars for one week. We can do these events online and reach more people. And, and there were all kinds of speculation then that this would be the end of NAB. And of course it wasn't, but now I really do feel some concern that companies are going to look and say, you know what, to spend all this money to do one week doesn't seem warranted. Now that we're being forced to do it virtually, this is going to be the new norm. Well, I feel like this conversation harkens back to the the concept of what is a pro, who is a pro user, right? Because Final Cut Pro is supposed to more so democratize, you know, who can be a video editor, and it has. And the conversation also goes towards, you know, more people want, they, they want to reach more people. They just, they just want to reach more people. And, and honestly, though, I feel that the presentations, we already had the conversation about the quality, but I feel like companies are doing a better job just presenting this way. Now, does that mean they could create something where, like, for this weekend or this week, we, you can schedule an appointment to meet with an engineer via Zoom? Or like it'd be a, like a 15-person meetup chat room kind of thing. That might be a neat idea. So you still get that interaction with the engineers. That sounds neat. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I actually don't mind working from home. I mean, I want to get out there, also work out, but I work out, you know, in, out there. But I also like what, the way things are going on some level, too. No, I hear you. I think that there's we're all kind of tired of webinars and Zoom meetings. And I know when we were first talking about social media platforms and streaming, I was doing a ton of webinars just looking at how are these people doing it? How are they doing it? What are they providing for services? And you get just tired of it, <laughs> you know, just t totally, you know, I enjoy working at my computer. 
I don't necessarily want to meet at the computer as well. It's like you want to get out. Like you say, you know, when I was when I started shooting again after not doing it for a while in the spring, it felt great to communicate with people safely and do things. And I, I think that that's something that we look back on and miss, you know. I hope that at some point we will get to an in-person Final Cut Pro Summit or some other industry event that's, you know, relevant to our businesses or our, you know, ecosystem for this year. I mean, I'm probably in on the summit for $200. As Stas said, I'm not going to be disappointed if it sucks. I hope it doesn't suck. And I hope the Apple component of it is treated in a way that we feel a little special. I think that was part of the, you know, the sell initially when you got to meet with the team, like that was a special thing and we felt special. And I hope that they try to keep that same unique experience part of it. All right, let's turn, let's turn the conversation now to the Apple hardware and how it, you know, impacts us with Final Cut Pro. Fair to say we all spend a large part of our day in front of a Mac. I've got multiple Macs. I'm sure you all have multiple Macs. Stas, you actually just spent some pretty big coin on a new system. Why don't you tell us about the system you bought and why you decided to take the plunge now? Well, I ended up buying a Mac Pro 28 core, 192 gigs of RAM. You know, it's it's got the Duo Vega graphics card. And the reason for that was I wanted to leave one slot open in case Apple did come out with something amazing. So I wouldn't have to, I'd be able to add that. The, you know, if you look at it, I, I, I film, I script, I edit, I do all of it, but I spend more time in front of the computer than I do in front of the camera. And so having a system where I'm no longer waiting on it to work, it's waiting on for me to work, sped everything up. And this thing is a beast in all the best way. Um, like, I, I, like I said before, the, the, the kind of work I do, education, training, things like that, um, I'm using Canon C200s. And I'm actually even using the 8-bit files, the MP4s and the APCHD. So the, the files aren't too strong, you know, too big. However, I do lots of graphics, lots of layering, lots of text. And you would be surprised how much that can, can bring down a system with all the plugins. And since I've had this system, it has just never stopped. I mean, it's, you know, if I ever have a glitch, it's usually some sort of audio plugin, audio component. Um, and the other part is, you know, I'm to the point now where I really need to start hiring editors. And, and I will do that. But since I've gotten the system, I've been able to do work more efficiently and have done projects that I would never have gotten done on time without it. So, yes, it's expensive and and even more expensive than the computer in my mind, even though it's not, is the other monitors. Like they don't cost more than the computer, but, you know, it feels like such a luxury, but they're pretty fantastic, by the way. Um, the XDR displays, I mean, they really do. Um, so, it, it, you know, I have a plan and I'm working the plan and I feel like it's a great purchase. Now you, I don't remember the exact timing, but w did you purchase before they announced the move to SOC or after the announcement to SOC? I purchased after because I needed something. I was working off a 2019 iMac Pro, which you would think would be just, you know, Great. And it was great, but it's not like this. Um, my thought is this system can be upgraded 
Um, when SOC comes out, it will not come out first for the professionals. It's going to come out probably for a laptop, probably the lower end laptops to show battery life and power there. And, you know, as Final Cut Pro editors, we, I do at least use lots of plugins and I feel like it's going to take years before everything gets up to speed and all the plugins work. Now everything's crashing and whatnot. Um, so I felt confident that I have years as it is. And then when they do come out, there'll be an upgrade path. I'm, I'm on the side of Apple will not leave us behind, although it's famous last words. Now, I'm just curious, have you, did you want the tower because you wanted expandability internally? Was that a part of your decision making? Yes. I want to be able to upgrade. And I, and I have, I've added the Excelsior from OWC, their eight terabyte, um, gosh, what is it? The NVM E, you know, so it's super NVMe fast. Basically rate. my read, write, yep. Yeah. My read, write speed is I read at 2,700 real time and write at 4,600 real time. So what I'm doing is may, the projects I'm currently working on, I work off of that internally. And then I use Kronos or some other backup to, I've got a QNAP server and Pegasus, Promise Pegasus. So I back up there. So I really won't lose much if I lost a little bit. And I've, and then I can also with the server it's also 10 gigabit so the iMac Pro can connect to it and you know i mean it's lightning in a bottle i i think it's a great system i have a very similar system yours is actually beefier than mine you have a 28 core i've only i know i purchased the 16 core and i don't have the core to uh, the vega duo i just have the vega 2 card uh, but i also have the xdr displays and i agree with you that those are tremendous i actually find i don't know if you find this or not my arm is actually getting tired scrolling so far to the left and to the right because the screen is so big that i can't get it in in one motion so i'm doing a lot of extra reaching to mouse around but i do think it's a great system i bought mine on release day and i i was very happy with it still i'm very happy with it but i did take some pause when they announced the Apple Silicon, because they didn't really say what the plan was for the Mac Pro. And I felt like they knew that they were making this move. This is not a move that happens off the top of your head. They knew they were moving to Apple Silicon, and they haven't said if there was a transition path, a board, a socket swap for the product. Like they haven't said if there is. And I asked those questions with not any responses from Apple. So I am concerned because it was a high ticket system. And I feel, my feeling is that the ability for Apple to integrate performance into their own silicon is going to be a game changer. I think they can finally design the hardware and the software completely in the way that they want. And I think there will be tremendous gains in this new silicon. And if I can't migrate my system that I spent, you know, lots of money on, I will be a little upset. Now, again, it depends on the time frame, but I think it's going to happen sooner than later. Tom, what are your thoughts? Do you? Th I mean, I think we've still got a few years before you really see a full-fledged changeover. So in the last year, I, I focused more on downsizing, and I had 
gone through two laptops in the time that I bought an iMac Pro. Uh, because I was doing so much work on the road, I was doing a lot of government work, uh, going all over the place. In fact, we had one of those QNAP servers on site, Stash, and that thing screams. Um, we were able to get a lot of footage around for this one project I was doing. And so I'm still operating on my 2017 iMac Pro, you know, 10 core, 64 gigs, and running a couple of Promise um, Pegasus, an R6 and an R4, 42 terabytes, still flying over Thunderbolt 2. So I'm at the edge of where I where I want to be. Um, but I still think I might be looking at the next Silicon MacBook Pro and wait until they really, you know, eventually, I don't know if it's going to be another iMac Pro or a full-blown, you know, Mac Pro system, but I'm willing to wait because I'm still working real hard and not having any uh, not having any hiccups as things go right now. I do think the transition is going to be easier than we might be you know a little skeptical i do think it will be different than the transition from uh, motorola to intel i think it will be smoother because they they've sort of had a dry run on this already right that whole transition from power pc to x86 but i do think that the way the emulation will work for older code intel processors will be fast. I mean, what I've read from developers who've got the beta systems, they say that it, it runs very well in that uh, virtual environment for the Intel code. So I think, I think the transition will happen quicker than not. But here's the question that I'll ask Eustace first. At what point, let's just say they release the new SOC and it's maybe it is a laptop, I do agree with you. And let's say that there is a new version of Final Cut, which I think there will be. Um, I'm going out on a limb, right? Like, shock. Alert the media. I've got a prediction. But let's say that that drops. And let's say the performance gains are astronomical. Does that change your urgency for a machine? Does that change your thought process on what you just bought? What does that do to you, Stas? Well, that's a good question. So I had to get okay with whatever happens because I knew they were going to do something new. There's always something new and brighter and shinier out there. Um, you know, this is working for me and it's working great. And I'm able to work and produce and deliver on time. So I'm really not going to look back. Yes, I would love to see what they have coming. And yes, that will be fantastic because I believe down the road there will be, I mean, I guess I'm, you know, guessing, but some way for us to upgrade these, you know, the, the towers, you know, I mean, you just have to be happy where you are. It's like every time you buy a computer, it's like, you know, it's already obsolete when you get it. I, I know that. Exactly. They've set us up for that with all the iPhone releases and devices and, you know, the way it all goes, it's the problem of being a Mac lover. It doesn't, going back to, to like changing career for myself, changing careers and solopreneur, I mean, day in, day out, I believe this is going to be great for years and years and years. And I don't necessarily need to have the fastest. I know this is right now, but down the road, it won't be. But if I keep producing what I'm doing, I'm great. And I know I've talked to you before I bought this computer, I will say that I contacted many people, um, some people that are even speaking at the summit. And like they're working off of old laptops because it fits their needs. And, and, I, and I, I get that. 
But for me, I was trying to set myself up that the time savings was so great now and hopefully also in the future that it made it valuable. So, Tom, you're in a slightly different position in that your hardware is a little older. You know, so where where does this Apple announcement sort of put you on a purchase time frame? Are you ready to jump in if it's shiny and new and I can't live without it? Or are you still in a wait and see what happens? I'm still in a wait and see. I want to see where their desktop um, offerings come out and see what the roadmap is for that. I'm good where I am at the moment because I'm... You know, I'm not in the 6K world. I'm not doing heavy lifting as far as graphics go. I farm that out a lot of times. So I'm, I'm good to wait and see because I know we're in, a, in another change area. You know, like, the, like you said, from the PowerPC to Intel, now Intel to Silicon. Um, there's a lot of bumps in the road to happen. You know, and I think one thing that's great is being in the Apple environment for the most part. Um, you know, that will be a smooth transition. So I, I'm just interested to see what happens and to see what the timeline is on that stuff. Okay, let's let's turn our attention to Final Cut software itself. So Apple just had a release a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two, to 10.4.10. And again, these dot releases have happened on a, you know, somewhat frequent but not scheduled basis. They just seem to drop at certain times. Sometimes they drop when we're at a summit, sometimes they're big updates, sometimes they're uh, dot updates. I don't even know that's the right. Sometimes they're all been dot updates because they're all been 10, <laughs> 10 10.0, 10.1, but some have been incremental um, in within those updates. But there was a nice feature added to 10.10 in relation to the way media management works which was really something I've been asking the team for, I think for every year that we've been at a summit. And that was the ability to use my camera proxies inside of Final Cut Pro without having to re-render them via Apple. And finally, 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 in 10.4.10, they've given us that ability to relink proxies from other sources besides what Apple generates. And I think that's been a nice little... Addition. I haven't put it to full use, but I have tested it and it works really well. So that was one nice thing they added. But where do you guys fall in terms of things that you feel are still lacking in Final Cut? Audio, audio, audio. Let me tell you, if I ever have an issue with Final Cut, it's core audio and it crashing or hanging. Um, there's, you know, and yes, I, I want... Final Cut Pro to be all in one. So I want, I mean, even, I mean, DaVinci is great. Even having to get it in there and out of there. I mean, it, people do it all the time. Sure would be great if there was a little bit better, although the color's good in Final Cut, but even better, notally. And then also for the audio, I mean, gosh, boards, you know, it needs to be a lot better to be able to adjust the sound globally. You know, all the things that you would think you should be able to do and that Apple already has implemented in Logic. Why can't we do it in Final Cut? Yeah, I audio needs some improvement. I would love a virtual audio surface on an iPad, something that has faders that I could do mixing in real time. That's something I've been missing since Final Cut 7. Would like to see that make an appearance. 
and they've done a good job with making the performance better. Like thumbnails used to be a big drain and thumbnail performance has gotten a lot better. Um, there is still some audio waveform redraw issues that I've seen. It's still a little sluggish with uh, audio files, as you say, with the core audio. So I do think that those are things that I would like to see improved. But for me, if they would make rendering, exporting, that process should be so fast on a Mac, especially on the, the level of hardware that I have in a Mac Pro, it's still not there. It still seems like it should be much faster looking at the usage of the CPU and the GPU with my iStat menus. Like it's still not flexing this the system the way I would like it to see. For me, if they had a, a system that had much faster rendering times, like let's say it's a laptop, then I'll buy because, you know, for me, it's time is money. Uh, I would like to see, though, my existing hardware be migratable. Um, what about some of these features that they're touting, like they're going to use machine automation and artificial intelligence to do things like reframing with dynamic region of interest? Is that stuff that, where do you think there are features that have not been exploited yet? Where do you think it might go? Well, I'm definitely interested in the reframing and intelligent reframing, if it works. Right. I mean, it has to it has to work in a way that that looks fluid, looks real. Um, I certainly do a lot of social media videos for clients. You know, they they do a project. They, they want the whole package. They want to be able to drop some trailers, some 15 second videos, seven second videos, 30 second videos and different sizes, different formats. Um, so that definitely interests me. But again, it's got to be able to work. You know, what's untapped in Final Cut? You know, I, I don't necessarily have that brain. Like I don't have the brain of the, the futurist that's looking out there and saying, Oh, what we really need is this. I'm more of the guy going, Hey, I need to go do this. How do I do it? Let's go work on it. Right. Like the motion graphics features of mo you know, emotion or after effects would be great to have, but there's so many plugins, you know, I have a ton that I use that, that take care of a lot of that, that you can customize. You can go out and do what you want with them. I, you know, it's, it's tough. It really is. I mean, I think they've, like I said, they've done a pretty good job with some of these integrations, like the Frame.io integration with Final Cut is fantastic. And Tom, we were just talking about a notification we got from Massive that's going to integrate into Final Cut or into Frame.io somehow. Maybe that'll be inside of, maybe that'll be part of the Final Cut integration as well to do file transfers. I think for me, one area where I would like to see them go is the ability to do uh, voice-to-text transcription within the app. I know that there are ways to do it with, um, like I've been using the Lumberjack system from Philip Hodgetts, and that does a very nice job of letting you take your XML, do transcription in faster than real time through the cloud, but it is like an external step. I got to hop into their app, send it up to the cloud, bring it back in. And it, it comes in nice and all that. But if Apple started doing some of that stuff within the app in real time, that would be something that would be useful to me. Even the ability to do the captioning. Captions are a part of this new world that is really a pain right now. 
And there are some third-party tools to do it, but it's it's expensive. It's a little clunky. If Apple had a way to transcribe your timeline into text and then generate a caption track, that's huge. So I would like to see them go in that direction with some of their machine learning or artificial intelligence. Hopefully that's on their roadmap as well. But other than that, I am you know pretty happy with the ecosystem. And, and considering that this was a $2.99 purchase one time 10, you know, whatever it was 10 years ago, and there hasn't been another fee for it is, you know, pretty good. Now, are you guys interested in editing on an iPad? Is that an area that is something you think you would do? Not me. Maybe only, like you say, as a surface. Like, as I used to, the stratosphere was something where you had audio controls and you had playhead controls and playback and in marking. So maybe as only a, a, a control surface. Well, my son's in college and he's doing a, a entrepreneurship type program with another and they're starting up a, a business and you know so i let them take some lights but they're filming on their iphone which by the way is a phenomenal ca uh, camera absolutely the biggest issue is always audio right getting getting good audio in there i think and i, I you know i have luma fusion on the iphones i you know they could download that of course so i'm not as interested in on editing an ipad but i completely see a whole market for that for these you know, the youth, you know, 20 year olds and, and, and whoever younger, even just totally creating videos and everything on iPad. And that's all they know. So I feel like as Apple produces, you know, obviously they're already using silicone in the iPads, but as it gets better, I feel like it's going to get better for everybody in that sense. I would like the ability to be able to move across my different devices to maybe pick up and edit. And I'll tell you where I think this for me would, would manifest itself. So I'm starting an edit. I'm on my main system. I put all my, you know, footage in and I cut. Now I got to hop on a plane and I got to go out for, you know, a trip and I could do a little bit of editing on the plane. So if I had an iPad and it had like, a cloud component or some way to sync via the cloud and have my proxies on the iPad on a Final Cut uh, version, I think that would be useful. And as long as it was seamless in that the projects were would be versioned in the cloud and I could move back and forth. So when I got, let's say I, I'm on the plane, I'm on the iPad, I do a cut, make an edit or two, I get to the hotel, now I open up my laptop, the laptop syncs with the cloud, and my project is updated. Now I can do an export to Frame.io because I'm plugged into a landline and I've got you know the ability to do that from a computer. And then I get back to my office and again, open up the thing and it syncs back and all my changes are in sync. Like that I think would be useful. Absolutely. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'll start working on that. But I think, I also think that <clears throat> The, the ability, I love the ability to have surfaces. Like one thing that is killing me that I don't have in Final Cut are dedicated scopes. Like I want scopes that are just dedicated and I can't do it. It's only limited to one window. And if you're doing uh, multicam, you can't have the scopes open. Like why not give me uh, the ability to have an iPad plugged in with the scope window on it have another iPad with 
the mixer on it. Like, let me customize the interface to suit my workflow. Like that's an area that they have not really kept up with. I wish they would get more in tune with that. Will Silicon make that easier? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the ability, I mean, now that especially the new Air 4 iPad and the Apple, uh, the iPad Pro has the uh, USB-C port, it should make it easier to send that display bus data around. I think that was an issue maybe with the lightning connectors before where you, you would have to do it over Wi-Fi. So, I mean, there are solutions that do it now for mirroring, but not the ability to customize the interface. And I, I know that I thought from day one of Final Cut Pro 10 that the way it was built felt like it was meant to be on a tablet just because it was one window. Like I always felt like it was designed after, yeah. for a tablet. And so I think it will go there. Well, I think there's definitely a bright future for Final Cut. I think we're all in agreement that it's a good, viable product. I don't get hung up in the politics of which is better, Premiere or Final Cut or Avid. You know, it's whatever gets the job done. For me, I am way faster with this new platform of Final Cut 10 than 7 ever was. Premiere doesn't seem like it has, for me, the speed. Avid is like a whole nother language to me. I don't. I don't understand it, never did. So any final thoughts from you guys on the future of Final Cut Pro or something you're hoping to see? I'm just feeling really positive about it. I feel that Apple's, I mean, I know people were saying that they forgot about the professionals. I don't necessarily feel that way. They, they did take a pause and, and certainly they didn't come out with things as fast as I would like, of course. But I feel Final Cut strong. It's fast. I, I can't imagine them abandoning it. I think it's only going to get better. And, you know, it's, it's, gosh, my theme for the whole podcast has been, I'm, I work. And so it allows me to work and I enjoy what I do. My frustration level went down when I got a, when I got the Mac pro, cause it's just so much faster and I'm just going to keep going, doing what I'm doing and create. Yeah. I mean, I've been in the final cut world since, you know, the second iteration of it came out ages ago and, and final cut 10, even though the underpinnings were all there for it to be a pro app, they just didn't uh, tell the world or, you know, give the world the, uh, the, the keys right away. And it is just, like you say, I get my work done fast and I get it done well. And the integrations that all the other third party uh, people can, can put into it, make it a really, really strong tool. We will see what Apple has to show at their event. With the hardware, maybe the software, I am expecting a Final Cut Pro update. Will it be Final Cut 11 or will it be Final Cut 10.5? Maybe Final Cut 10 for 11? Ah, gosh, I don't know. I know at the I know uh, they announced at their event that they're going to be including Dolby Surround or Dolby something into the new version of Final Cut. There's a little hint dropped there. So they're definitely going to drop something. I'm sure it's going to be at the summit. I think it's just going to be a, a dot increase, like, you know, maybe 10.5, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the new iPhones have Dolby ability, you know, so you, you got to think that that's going to go hand in hand. Yeah, that, that I think is a given. Well, we'll see, gentlemen. We will see next week what Apple has in store for us. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be exciting. I want to thank Stas and Tom for joining me on This Week in Production. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to check out the virtual summit this year yourself, check out fcpxcreativesummit.com. 
It's put on by Future Media Concepts, and for $200, you might get an inside track with some of the Apple people. That's it for this week. I'm your host, Art Aldridge. Thanks for listening. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.